Because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed. Can you imagine that? Think of the hypocrisy of that. Think of the, how weird that is. A man dies, Jesus raises him from the grave, and because the religious leaders are now jealous, because they were powerless, Jesus raises the man from the grave, and they're like, you know what, we can't stand this anymore. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. The chief priests were mostly Sadducees, and the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. Lazarus was a living example of life after death, and having him around was an embarrassment to their theological system. For them, there was only one solution to this embarrassing problem, and that was to put Lazarus to death also. On account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. This made the problem of the chief priests worse. The miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead drew many people to Jesus. Therefore, in the opinion of these religious leaders, Lazarus also had to be stopped. Now here's Pastor Rob. Accountable for their faithfulness or lack thereof and reward them accordingly. Even in the millennium when the Old Testament saints are resurrected, we talked about this the last couple weeks, God will reward the line of Zadok, the priests of, of Levi, in allowing them to serve him in the holy place, in the new temple in Jerusalem, in the millennial reign. And, but the other priests who are unfaithful, they will have a very limited service. Let me read to you what it says in Ezekiel chapter 44. This is really interesting. It says, in the Levites, and this is God speaking while Ezekiel's writing this in Babylon, in captivity, and he's telling them what's going to happen in the future. And he says this, and the Levites, God says, who went far from me. In fact, it was part of the reason why they were led into captivity because of their idolatry. The priest should have stood up and done something and said, we're going to hold the line and not allow us to continue any further. But the people said, no, no, we want to worship Baal, and we want to do these other things. And they're like, oh, okay. And so they do it, and God says, holding you accountable for that, brothers. He loves them. And evidently, they're going to be saved. But they made some really huge errors. Notice what it says. Yeah, he says, And the Levites who went far from me when Israel went astray, who strayed away from me after their idols, they shall bear their iniquity, yet they shall be ministers, notice, by God's grace, yet they shall be ministers in my sanctuary as gatekeepers of the house and ministers of the house. They shall slay the burnt offering and the sacrifice for the people, and they shall stand before them, Notice the pronouns here. Yes, it's okay for pronouns in this context. (laughs) 
They will stand before the people, before them, to minister to them, because they ministered to them before their idols and caused the house of Israel to fall into iniquity. Therefore, I have raised my hand in an oath against them, says the Lord God, that they shall bear their iniquity. They shall not come near to me to minister to me as priest, nor come near any of my holy things, nor into the most holy place, but they shall bear their shame and their abominations which they have committed. Nevertheless, I will make them keep charge of the temple for all its work and for all that it has, has to be done in it. But notice in verse 15, let me read it to you. But. But the priests, the Levites, the sons of Zadok, who kept the charge of my sanctuary when the children of Israel went astray from me, they shall come near to me to minister to me. And they shall stand before me to offer to me the fat of the blood. The fat and the blood, says the Lord God. Yes, even in the millennial temple, there will be sacrifices in memorial, not because they're needed to be made, because Jesus suffered once and for all for the sin of man, but they will continue to have offerings in memorial of those things that we would never that they would never forget, that we would never forget. But they shall enter my sanctuary, God says, and they shall come near my table to minister to me, and they shall keep my charge. Do you see the difference? So there who it is and what how we worship and who we worship is a big deal. Because there were some who led Israel astray. They weren't on, they weren't faithful to the Lord. And God in His grace is still going to allow them to serve, but they're not going to be able to, they're going to serve the people. But those who stayed true to God are going to serve Him. And that may not be a big deal to you right now. But trust me, when we're in heaven, when the church is raptured and we're in glory, we're going to have a whole different understanding and perspective of this. And we will have wished, oh, I wished I would have stopped playing games. I wish I would have given the Lord my, my whole life. And whatever you do, you don't, you don't have to go into the ministry like, like say I'm in the ministry or whatever like that. Wherever God has called you, be faithful in that place and give to him. Give to him. And it, you, you can give in many ways. You can give of your time. You can give of, uh, uh, you know, whatever you desire. I'm not here trying to shake you like, some people try to grab the church and hold them upside down and shake them. No, the, the, there's so much more things that are worth than money, okay? Our lives are more important than money, okay? This is not about money. It's about worship. And this is why it's good for us to examine our hearts. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointing the feet of Jesus, wiping his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. I wonder what that smell smells like. Have you ever been in a place where you have sensed something, you know, by smelling or tasting that was so unique and you really liked it. It was something totally opposite from our American diet and our taste that we normally have. If you've been to Israel or if you come with us hopefully next year when we go again, you're going to smell and taste things that you've never smelled or tasted before. 
And I think of the aroma of those scents. And I love what it says here in 2 Corinthians. It says, Now thanks be to God who has always who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge to every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Jesus among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the, uh, are the aroma of death leading to death and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? Does your life have the fragrance of Christ? Does my life have the fragrance of of Christ? Do our families, do our neighbors, do those in our workplace know that we belong to Christ? Is there evidence of it? Do they observe the love and the grace and the compassion and yet gravity and holiness in us? Or are we laughing and doing all the things that everybody else does? Is our life a fragrance? Is our life a living sacrifice in everything we say and do? Is it? That's a good question for myself and for you as well. And I, I, and I have to be honest quietly before the Lord, I need to be honest and say, Lord, where is my worship? How am I worshiping you? Am I really worshiping you at all? Or is it just out of convenience? And again, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that any of those things can't be worshiped, because they can be. But sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm challenged by my worship. Because sometimes I've made, my, made it so convenient for myself. I've made it so convenient that there's no longer any sacrifice in my heart at all. It's just a business transaction. Does your life have the fragrance of Christ? In the book of Acts, when the apostles were originally arrested, after the day of Pentecost, it says that Peter, filled with the Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, stone. nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved and then it says and then they saw the boldness of peter and john and they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men and they marveled and they realized that they had been with jesus the fragrance of christ was all over them it was it was all over them so much to the extent that they had they had to take you know these guys are completely different does the world see me different, or do they just see me in with the fray? Uh, do I stand out at all anymore? Am I salt and light to the earth, or have I become assimilated into this perverse culture into which we live? It breaks my heart to see how many Christians have got such rotten, filthy mouths, and to hear them on, on, on social media just so hateful. What a horrible thing. It ought not to be family of God. It ought not to be Christian. I get angry with the rest of them, but you know what? I try to keep my mouth shut as much as I can. What this world needs is Christ. It doesn't need my venom. Because Christ is the solution. He 
is the solution. May our lives demonstrate that fragrance of Christ in all that we say and do. And I like what it says in, uh, excuse me, in, uh, in Colossians. I'll just read the 17th verse. It says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Giving thanks. And really, we get back to our text this morning, and that's really what this is all about, is giving thanks. And what a, a great thing for us to consider as we come upon Thanksgiving next Thursday. We can give thanks anytime, And we do. To me, thanksgiving is a way of life. I like to give thanks in everything. I'm not perfect in it, but I want to give thanks in everything. Every single day, I want to be thankful. It doesn't take one day, but I'm glad that at least, you know, corporately in America, we have one day where we say, you know what, this day, we're going to give thanks to God for all that he has done. And may this thanksgiving be the best thanksgiving ever in this country. May it be the best, and may it revive us. Revive the church. Do it before then, Lord. Do it today. Don't wait until Thanksgiving Day. Revive us now that we could be thankful and a holy people that are to go out into all the world. Every place where we go, let's open our mouths about the goodness and the grace and the forgiveness of God. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, folks. I need it, and you need it as well. Ask God. Say, Lord, as you did in the first century church, light me up. Whenever I go, wherever I go, light me up, Lord. You empower me. I don't care when it is. That's your business. I can't make it happen, but I want to be ready that when you do, I am just being faithful to you, and I'm opening my mouth, and I have no fear of man. No fear. In fact, that's one of the hallmarks of being baptized with the Spirit of God. You saw it in Peter. He was standing up in front of those who had killed Jesus, and he says, I don't care about any of you. This is the truth. And their eyes and their jaw hit the ground and their eyes bugged out of their head because they realize, oh my goodness, there's something going on here I can't explain. And that's the Spirit of God. Anointing a man, anointing his words, that is the difference. Peter could have said those same words on another day where God was vacant and it would have fallen flat on the ground and they probably would have killed him. But not that day. That day they were all arrested. They wanted to arrest him, but he arrested them through the Spirit of God. I love that, don't you? And see, that's what our world needs today, is to be arrested by the Spirit of God. Arrested by the love of God. Not in some anger and frustration, no. Arrested by the love and the grace and the forgiveness of God. But notice in verse 4 in our text again. So what we've talked about so far is worship. Mary, thankful, so thankful for raising her brother. She just poured it out. And by, do you know something? 300 denarii, you get one denarii back in that time frame, you get one denarii for a day's wage. So whatever it is that you make in a day, that would be one denarii. So 300 denarii would be roughly a little less than a year's wages. And this is the cost of the ointment that she poured out upon Jesus. Extravagant, yes. It was extravagant. And the Lord says, let her do it. Because... That was one of the most magnificent things that's been recorded in the Scripture. That kind of worship. Not even concerned 
Maybe she was saving it up to give to her child when she passed on, and she's like, this is a precious ointment, and you know, pass it down through the family. She says, nope, this is the time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to thank God with what I have. But notice in verse 4, and we'll, we're going to take communion here in a few moments, but one of his disciples, and I love John. This is, so tip, this is so exciting about John. You know, the other Gospels don't tell us who it is. You know, Matthew and Mark, and, and they don't tell us who it is, but John says, no, it was Judas. <laughs> but one of his disciples, you can read the other accounts in Matthew 26 and Mark 14. There's no mention of Judas, but John says, no, it was Judas. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, now Iscariot's not his last name, by the way. Judas Iscariot means many people were named Judas because of Judas Maccabeus delivering the the, the children of Israel from oppression, right, from the Romans between the Testaments. Everybody named their kid Judas, but nobody does anymore. But Judas Iscariot means Judas of the town of Iscariot. That town, he's from Iscariot. or what, There's an actually shortened term, and I forgot what the name is, but he's Judas of Iscariot. It'd be like Rob of Penfield. There's a lot of Robs. You have to go, you know, something else. But anyway, the idea is that it was Judas. But why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Judas. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box. Amazing that Jesus would allow this man who he knew was a thief, to be the one that he would put in charge of the box. You and I would have grabbed the box and, and says, and if I was Jesus, I would have looked at, went through the line of the guys and knowing, you know, having foreknowledge, I would look at the 12 guys and go, um, I'm going to give the box to John. Because I know John, he loves me and he's not going to be, but God doesn't care about the money. He gave Judas every opportunity to change and to turn didn't he? He gave him every opportunity. He even went to the extent of giving him the money box and saying, all right, be faithful with it. The test is on. The test is on. The test is on for you and I as well. What are we going to do? But Jesus said, let her alone, for she has kept this for my burial. And in fact, in Matthew's gospel, it says this, Jesus said, assuredly I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached to the whole world, in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. And as we read that, that prophecy is coming true, isn't it? Because we just read it. Jesus made sure that this awesome worship that she had done, Mary had done to Jesus, made sure to memorialize it forever. Forever. He says, for the poor you always have with you, but me you don't always have. And now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came not only for Jesus' sake, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests, they plotted to kill Lazarus, because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed. Can you imagine that? Think of the hypocrisy of that. Think of the, how weird that is. A man dies, Jesus raises him from the grave, And because the religious leaders are now jealous, because they were powerless, Jesus raises the man from the grave, and they're like, you know what, we can't stand this anymore. We want to kill Jesus, but we want to kill him too. You're going to put up, wait, I mean, think of the the yo-yo that Lazarus is. Dead, alive, not dead, and then he's going to be resurrected again. I mean, think of the craziness of that. But see, isn't that man, what he doesn't understand, what he can't know, 
he immediately wants to kill. And that's usually the, the state of man. What we don't understand, what we, don't, what we fear. What we fear, what we don't understand is the first thing we try to put an end to. They didn't understand the power of God. They didn't understand that Jesus is God. They didn't believe it. They wanted to put him to death. They didn't understand it. They feared him because he was bad for business. (laughs) He was bad for business. People were going after Jesus now, and these guys are like, where's our tithing going to come from? I won't be able to get my robe dry cleaned this week. But it's forward because of Jesus. In fact, this morning as we take communion, it's because of this sacrifice of Christ for you and me. Think of the love of God. While we were yet sinners, greater love has no man than this, than that he lays down his life for his friends. And, and God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that's what the table is all about. We come in remembrance of him. We do this, we take the bread and the cup in remembrance of his death until he comes. His death and his resurrection, but his death, because if he didn't die, then we would still be in our sins. And if he didn't rise from the grave, we would still be in our sins, because then the Bible would be lying about something that it said was true, that God would raise him from the grave. Psalm 16, verse 10. You will not leave my soul in hell or in the grave, but be raised. And so if the worship team could come on up, and as we are worshiping the Lord, please come up and grab the uh, elements and bring them back to your seat, and we'll take them together after the worship, okay? It is good to give thanks to the Lord, amen? That night before Jesus was crucified, he took the the bread, and he broke it, and he passed it to his disciples, and he says, this is my body, which is broken for you. Eat it, and, 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 and do this in remembrance of me. And as we take this, uh, this bread, we think of how Jesus' body was broken for us. And so let's partake. And he took the chalice of wine, and he passed it around to his disciples, and he said, this is the the blood of the new covenant, the new covenant that our sins would be forgiven, that we would be reconciled to a holy God through Jesus' blood. And this blood, he says, this is the blood of the new covenant. And take it and drink it and do this in remembrance of me. And so let's do that. May the Lord do a great work in all of us this week. And I pray that you consider, you know, as you read this chapter over again, we didn't get to the triumphal entry. I I knew that I probably wouldn't get there. But just think about worship. Think about your worship. Think about, I'm going to think about my worship of God. And let it challenge you. Let it challenge you. Again, no one's trying to coerce anybody. There there are churches that do that. We don't do that. And, And I don't believe in that. But every now and then we have to be reminded of what real worship is. And much of the time it has nothing to do with money, okay? So don't, it, it has to do with a life that's surrendered. 
but it takes into account everything, our whole entire being, everything. Everything should not be touched by this challenge of worship. Everything should be allowed to be challenged. That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.